from the WYLK studios in Pittston, Pennsylvania. Welcome to Sharing Recovery. Straight talk on today's struggles of addiction and triumphs of recovery. Recovery is possible. Sharing Recovery is sponsored by Clearbrook Treatment Center, Serenity Lodge, Attorney Jason Mattioli, and Archstone Recovery Center. We welcome your calls with questions or comments. Call 570-883-0098 or 1-800-437-0098. The views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of Intercom Communications staff, management, or sponsors. Here are your hosts, Suzanne Kelly and Jack Kropp. And hello and welcome to Sharing Recovery. We are happy you chose to spend time with us this afternoon. I'm Suzanne Kelly and fellow host Jack Kropp, who last month celebrated 19 years of recovery. Great job, Jack. We're here today because we believe recovery is possible, yet we also know that too often silence equals death. Today, we are very happy and proud to welcome Tony Luke Jr. to our show. Um, Tony is from South Philadelphia. He is a restaurateur, entrepreneur, actor, and singer. But today, Tony is here as a father who lost his son from addiction. In March 2017, Tony's son, Tony III, died from a drug overdose. Tony has since launched a nationwide campaign, hashtag brown and white. Hashtag brown and white, named after the two primary colors of heroin, is dedicated to ending the stigma associated with opioid and heroin addiction. It is to encourage families to move beyond the shame and blame. Through constant love and support, addiction can be defeated one small victory at a time. Now, you, our listeners, are important to us, and we invite you to be part of today's conversation. You could reach us by calling 570-883-0098, 1-800-437-0098. You can reach us on Twitter at at Share Recovery or on Facebook at Share Recovery Radio. And Tony, um, it's wonderful to hear you. Thank you so much for joining us. And first, if we could just please um, express our sorrows um, about the loss of your son. I know it's most, um, would expect to be very, very difficult for you still. Uh, thank you, Suzanne. Thank you, Jack, um, for allowing me to come on the show and speak. Thanks, Tony. I appreciate it. Tony, would you please um, tell us a little bit about about your son, Tony? Um, Tony was, he was, he was a very hard worker. Um, Tony had two little children, my two granddaughters. Uh, he loved them very much. I mean, he spent a lot of time with them. He would take them to the zoo. He would take them to parks. He was, he really was a very devoted father but from the time Tony was 15 uh, or, yeah, around 14 or 15 he was he was struggling with drugs um, would I have called him an addict at 14 or 15 no but he he was getting high regularly um, I'm assuming it was recreational in the beginning. Uh, we had just moved from Philadelphia to to South Jersey. It was his first year of high school. So I know he really didn't have any friends at all where we had moved. And um, I'm sure he got in with a group of people, you know, and he got high. And 
I think that that was the start of him, I guess, building his, um, I don't know, persona mm-hmm. of who he believed he was and fitting in. And I think that the the drugs kind of masked a lot of fear that he was having about, you know, going to a new school, dealing with his life, you know, just everyday things. And then which later turned into an addiction, a very serious addiction. And in March, you know, he had that one moment of weakness, what I like to call it. That really is what it is. And um, it took him. Did he, did Tony talk to you about his addiction or even more so about his, his fears or, or anything that he was trying to mask or cover? No, in the beginning, he denied it completely. Okay. I mean, voraciously, he denied it. Um, but then once he went to rehab the first time, which he didn't want to go, he was forced into going. Um, and when he came out, he didn't really seem any different. His body might have been clean, but his mind certainly was not. Um, he hit it really well for at least a year. And then, obviously, it showed itself again. But this time, he wanted help. This time, he recognized that there was a problem. And he wanted to get help. So he went into rehab again. He he really tried. I mean, he did. When he came out of rehab, he was different. I, I seen something different than the first time that he had gone in. Uh, and he really got involved in his church and, you know, speaking with his pastor and, you know, all these different groups, these uh, Catholic groups that he was getting involved in. And, and I... You know, he wanted me involved, and I didn't get involved like I should have. And it wasn't until Tony's passing that I, you know, I didn't know. You know, all these parents that I've met are harboring this horrific guilt Mm -hmm. because they feel like they didn't do enough or they did too much, and they they pushed them into it. And the truth is, as sad as it is, the truth is you don't know what you don't know until you know it. Yeah. So, I, you know, do I sit back sometimes and think if I'd have been more supportive, if I'd have shown him the love and support that he needed instead of yelling at him and questioning him and being all self-righteous to him and why can't you just quit? Why don't you have the strength to do it? Why are you so all of those things? And I realized that all of those things, not only didn't it help Tony, but it perpetuated the stigma that is out there that sadly most people feel or believe because that's what we've been trained, you know, to think. And now, in reality, if I would have done all those things, would it have saved Tony? Well, the, the actual truth is, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Just like no one knows. Tony, and let me address one thing you just... Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. What's, what's up, Jack? Well, the one thing you just said, Tony, about should you have known. 
you and I know each other. You know I work in the, in the recovery business. Here in the studio today with this is my daughter, Carly, who is our production assistant. My daughter has been through treatment twice and is now in recovery. But she was in my own house, Tony, and I do this every day of the week and didn't see that she needed help. And I didn't recognize she was getting up and going to work as a counselor every day. She was living what I thought was a relatively normal life for a 25-year-old kid. And she was right in front of me, and I didn't see it. So, yeah, are there days I say to myself, just like you just said, should I have done something sooner? Should I have seen something? Should I have recognized it? The answer is no. I mean, this is what it is. It is right now today. We have no way of knowing if you had done something differently, would it have changed the outcome? Because the outcome is where we're at right now. And now, how do we change the way the world looks at this? And that's what your, well, tr that's what your mission is with hashtag brown and white. That's what I'm trying. And, you know, it's done on, you know, unfortunately or fortunately, whatever way you want to look at it, it's, it's literally done one person at a time. And I say fortunately because it's much easier to relate to someone and understand their pain and what they're going through when you're dealing with someone one-on-one. -on -one. But I say unfortunately because when you're dealing one-on-one, -on -one, the message takes that much longer. Right to get out it's so, a long road one at a time yes exactly but, it is. but we can't stop we got to keep going one no. at a time you have to keep going one at a time you know i i i try to talk to as many people as once as i can i talk to individuals anyone who emails me or comes up to me i make the time to speak with them because you know pain is pain but the truth jack and suzanne the truth is, in the end, in the end, those that are in recovery, those that are dealing with what I believe is the disease of addiction, in the end, the ultimate choice will always fall upon those that are in the fight. Because you can support, you can love, you can talk, you can be there. But in the end, we make our own choices. The problem is, what I believe is, is literally destroying those that are fighting so hard in recovery, is it's an unbelievable fight unto itself. And you already feel alone, and you feel like, you know, the drugs, the addiction is your friend because it's masking whatever it is that is so incredibly difficult to face. And it's not your friend. It is a liar. And But we perpetuate that lie by making those that are struggling feel alone. We make them feel like they're weak. We make them feel like they're losers. So in the end, they're fighting this within themselves and they're so desperately trying to come out on the other side and here we are not only just people that love them but people that we don't know people that we just pass in the street already have an opinion of those that are struggling that don't even know them you know it's it, 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 it the, the crushing weight of, of that stigma 
I believe, and I've said this over and over again, is just as deadly, if not even more deadly, than the actual addiction itself. Tony, I'm in 100% agreement with you because in recovery, we have our fight, a daily fight to remain clean and sober. But then we have that that other aspect, the community we're in, the people around us, and when that look at us like there's something wrong with us beyond addiction, like they, they look at us like we're less than. And, and that's not the case. You and I both know every walk of life is in recovery. Every job, every race, every financial status, everybody's in recovery. But there's that whole group out there, the whole world around us that's ashamed to say, I know somebody in recovery. Or my son or my daughter or my husband or wife or mother's in recovery. They're ashamed of that. And that makes it so much harder for a person to stand up and say, I need help. I, need, I don't know where to turn. People are embarrassed to ask for help. We have to get, we have to remove that stigma. But, you know, and I also want to just add something from a family's perspective, um, how, how a family member feels, um, because I lost two in my immediate family um, from addiction. And Jack's right. And Tony, you're right, because it's, it's, I was, I didn't want to talk about it. So I was a family member who felt that she could go to no one no one to talk about what was going on. And so the isolation as a family member is very strong because of that stigma out there. You think everyone else out there is having this remarkable, tremendous life. And if you talk to anyone, you're a freak or there's something wrong with you or worse, what did you do to cause it? What did you do to feed it? So the the ripple effect of addiction is just, it's just so thick and sick within our society. Um, it's got to change. It just, it has to change. Yeah, but you know what's amazing, Susan? See, every, every single word that you just said, every word, every single sentence that came out of your mouth is the same thing that those in recovery say to themselves every day. That's why I try to tell families, when your loved one is in recovery, you are in recovery too. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's what the families don't get, that they are in recovery, that you understand more than you do. Those in recovery are ashamed to say what, what they're feeling. They're ashamed to be around people and tell them that they need help. They feel helpless. They feel hopeless. The same feelings that those who love them and families feel while those loved ones are struggling. So to me, recovery to anyone who has a family, both those that are struggling and the family members are both on the same road to recovery. They need to work a parallel program, Tony. The family and the addict, both together, have to be working a parallel program of recovery and have to be saying the same things. They have to be in sync with each other to spread this message of recovery. That's exactly right. But most people feel like I did. And let me tell you, I, I have to tell you, someone said something to me, and I know, Jack, you will really be able to appreciate this. The biggest struggle I had is most of my youth, I was, I was a meth head. I mean, crystal meth was my, my drug of choice. 
And then I almost, I almost lost my life from that, and I stopped. And that was 20-something years ago. No, over 30, maybe 30 years ago, okay? And I didn't understand why he couldn't just stop. I mean, I almost died, and I just stopped. And someone came to me, and they made a statement, and it made it very clear to me. They said to me, Tony, you don't get it. And I'm like, well, help me get it. And they said, Tony, you, you had a drug problem. You were not an addict. There is a, mm. there is a strong distinction between having a drug problem and being an addict. They truly are two different situations because... Like someone who says, I'm an alcoholic, or someone says, I have a drinking problem. If you can stop, if you turn around and go, you know what, I'm just going to stop, and I'm not going to do this anymore. I know that alcohol is ruining my life. I know the drugs ruining my life. And tomorrow, I'm not going to pick up another drink, and I'm not going to get high anymore. And then 35 years later, you're, you're fine. Someone told you, you figured out you had a problem, and the very next day, it was over. You did. You had a drinking problem. You had you had a drug problem. But someone who was involved in addiction, it's, those drugs are not recreational to them. Those drugs are not something that they do to pass the time because they're bored or there's something they can't do. Those drugs are filling something. Those drugs are masking something that is even more terrifying to them then knowing that addiction is destroying everyone around them. That problem is so difficult to face. That's why I tell people, you, you, it goes beyond the body. There is, there is something in that person's life. There is something about the personality. There's something within them that is so scary for them to face, or they believe that they can't be who they are without that drug and that is an incredibly difficult fight because you're not fighting just the drug or the high you're fighting the problem that the high is massive understand tony we're going to talk more about this um we just have to take a quick break to thank our sponsors who make this show possible um we'll be right back since 1972, Clearbrook Treatment Center has been providing successful treatment for those suffering from substance abuse. Clearbrook's medical program provides round-the-clock care and treatment from a licensed and specialized medical team. Clearbrook's approach to addiction is largely based upon the proven practices of Alcoholics Anonymous. Pastoral services are available to patients seeking spiritual guidance. Call Clearbrook today at 570-260-2600. Jason Mattioli is a personal injury and criminal defense lawyer prepared to fight for you. Attorney Mattioli has an exceptional record of defending the rights of those arrested for DUI and drug offenses. He also represents victims of tractor trailer and automobile accidents, premises liability, product defects, and work-related accidents. If you or a loved one has been arrested or injured, call attorney Mattioli at 570-961-1616. 
Archstone Recovery Center of the Palm Beaches provides addiction treatment centered within a small, personal, community-type setting. For nearly two decades, Archstone has helped thousands suffering from alcohol and chemical dependencies recover and regain control of their lives. Archstone's medical, clinical, and support staff provide the highest level of professional treatment and individualized care. Call Archstone Recovery Center at 855-899-2292. Serenity Lodge is a safe, structured, supervised, sober living community for young men located in the beautiful mountains of Susquehanna County, Pennsylvania. Serenity Lodge has perfected the missing piece between addiction treatment and real life. Serenity Lodge teaches how to use the principles of recovery along with age-appropriate life skills. Call Serenity Lodge today at 570-650-8205. Welcome back to Sharing Recovery. Straight talk on today's struggles of addiction and triumphs of recovery. Recovery is possible. We welcome your calls with questions or comments. Call 570-883-0098 or 1-800-437-0098. Here are your hosts, Suzanne Kelly and Jack Kropp. And welcome back to Sharing Recovery. Our our guest today is Tony Luke Jr. Tony is a Philadelphia-based restaurateur, entrepreneur, actor, and singer, um, and all around a really great guy. Um, Tony's here today, though, as a father who lost a son to addiction. Um, Tony's son died in March 2017. And before the break, we were talking about stigma. We were talking about shame. We were talking about guilt and things that those um, who are left behind uh, live through. But what Tony has done now is Tony has started a national movement. It's called Hashtag Brown and White. Hashtag Brown and White is named after the two primary colors of heroin. And it really is dedicated to ending the stigma associated with opioid and heroin addiction. Um, We need families to move beyond the shame and the blame. And with constant love and support, addiction can be defeated one small victory at a time. Um, Tony, if you would, could you talk a little bit about the last few days um, leading up to your son's death? He was, um, he was, he had a sense. No, I, I need to go a little bit further. In, in the weeks prior, there was a sense of hopelessness in his eyes. Hmm. Almost as if the addiction was so overwhelming to him that he didn't think he could fight it anymore. He was working at a friend of mine's place, but he wanted to be back working with me, and I wanted him back. And circumstances came up where that was possible. And... He came to work the very first day, and there was a glimmer of hope. I I saw something in his eyes that wasn't there, and we sat, and we talked, and he worked so hard. Like I had said previously, he was a very hard worker, Tony, and he worked so hard, and he was great on the grill, and he was, man, he was sweating, and he was working, and he was doing it, and he came up to me, and he said, Dad, are we going to be okay? I mean, are, are we going to be all right? Because I've really been humbled, Dad, mm. and I really want to do right by my.
fiance and my daughters. I really want the opportunity to do right by them. And I said, you're going to have it. And we're going to be okay, Tony. And then he worked the second day and the third day. And then the very last day of the week when he worked, he was his body was beaten badly. He, he was mopping the floor and his back was killing him and his legs were killing him. And I said, Tony, you did enough. I'll finish. And I said, well, I got this. You go home. He's like, nah, I'm not done. I'm like, go home. And he looked at me and he said to me, Dad, I'm really trying. Really try. I said, I know you are. I said, and we're gonna, we're gonna get through this together, Tony. Together, me, you, the family. We are going to get through this. And I hugged him and I kissed him. And he went home. And the next day was Monday. And it was eight thirty in the morning. And I wanted to call him to really just tell him how proud I was of him, and that it was going to take a lot of work. But we were going to get through this. And then I thought, you know what? He worked so late last night. Let him sleep. And then the day got past me. And I was doing a, a, an event. My phone rang at 6 o'clock, a little after 6. And uh, I couldn't make out what my son Michael was saying. He was crying. And all I heard was the word dead. And... Uh, I ran out of the building because they kept breaking up. All I heard was dead. I didn't know who had died. And I remember bursting through the side doors of the building I was in. And I said, Michael, what did you say? And he had said that Stacy, that was my son's fiance, that Stacy called and Tony's dead. And I remember literally falling to the ground, letting out a wail, and my worst nightmare ever had come to be. And the weeks prior to Tony dying, I remember, I want to tell you this, I passed him, he was working, and he was standing on a corner, and he had just gotten a break, and he was all sweaty from working, and it was hot. It was still summer. And I passed by, and he didn't see me, and I wanted to stop over and say hello to him. And he was standing on the corner, and he had the saddest, most hopeless look that I had ever seen. And I remember saying to God, why is he suffering so much? He was in such pain, so much pain, that all I can remember saying is, God, take that pain from him, please. Teach me, help me. How do I take that pain from him? And then I guess he went home, and, you know, the addiction, it's just so powerful. And it speaks into your mind. I don't know if he was thinking, I'm going to use the last of what I have. Mm -hmm. I just got to get through today. Maybe he didn't believe that there was hope. Maybe he didn't feel that he was strong enough. Because I got to tell you, I didn't support him like I should have. That much I do know. Again, I'm not saying that would have made him not take it or take it. But the reason I speak to parents is because I was unbelievably imperfect. 
so it's not like I'm getting up there and telling a story of how of a perfect father I was and how amazing I understood his addiction. And this is what you need to do. Be like me. No, I'm saying these are the mistakes that I've made. Things that I think I could have done better. These are the things about my my son that unfortunately I didn't understand or didn't hear until he has passed. So when he passed, all of those things that he said to me, all of the times that he asked me questions and I, I, and I didn't want to answer them, the times I was frustrated with him and I just wanted to kick him out the door and I, and I was angry at him never realizing that it was addiction that I was angry with. And my son was in there screaming to get out, begging to get out. And I didn't know what to do. And I didn't know what to do because we don't speak to each other. We don't talk. Families don't talk. There's no basis. No, no one sits down and discusses this and talks to each other. And I thought for the, my my calling for the rest of my life till the day I die is to do whatever I can to get family speaking and talking and, 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 and learning from each other. So at least, at the very least, they have enough knowledge to give as much support to those that they love that they possibly can. And hashtag brown and white was born. Hashtag Brown and White is a viral campaign, a social media campaign, because everyone is on social media, everyone, young people, old people. And I thought people that are not experiencing this really, not that they don't care, it doesn't affect them. So when things don't affect you, you don't, you don't do, you, you just don't do it because that's just the way human nature is. So I thought, how do I get to these kids? How do I get to these families? Well, the one thing I do know, most people find out about things through what they call trending. Mm -hmm. So when something on social media is trending, people click it and go, well, what is this? You know, there's 200,000 people tweeting about this or Instagramming it or, or tagging it on Facebook. What is this? And then it would make them aware. So originally... Hashtag brown and white was, was meant to have people who have lost a loved one to go on social media, post their picture, and let the world know that they were not losers and that they were not weak. They were fathers and sons and daughters and brothers and sisters and mothers. They were, they were loved ones who lived and struggled and died dealing with this horrible disease of addiction. And... I wanted them to not be ashamed, to put it up so that maybe other parents would see this, and then they would do that, and it would start chipping away at the stigma. And then what happened, which was amazing, someone tagged, hashtag brown and white, this is the one, this is my loved one, and I said in an interview that my son is not a number, that he was a human being, that he wasn't a statistic, and someone hashtag someone who was in recovery, hashtag I am not a number. And then I thought, wow, people in recovery are responding to hashtag brown and white, not just family. So then my mission was 
not only to get family speaking, but I tell people, everyone that's listening to your show, how much time does it take to go on your social media every day for two seconds and write, I love you, I support you, I am with you, mm -hmm. together we can beat this. Hashtag brown and white. Let those in recovery know that people besides their family care about them. You're doing a show on recovery because you care about those that are struggling. People are out there speaking and talking. They're doing runs. They're doing, they're doing all these things because they care. But the problem is once the run is over, once your show ends and people click off, they go about their life. And they don't follow through most of them. So I tell people, go on the internet every day. Let make that a habit of what you're doing. And it will trend. Don't mention my name. I've never said in any speaking I've ever done, forget Tony Luke Jr. Tony Luke Jr. is completely insignificant. What you need to remember is hashtag brown and white. Because that is the movement. It's your movement. It's their movement. It's my movement. It's our movement. It has nothing to do with me. Nothing. I don't care if you never remember what I look like, the name, the sound of my voice, or my business. I just want you to remember hashtag brown and white. Because if that trends, that's what people need to remember. Not my name. I don't even want my name tagged along with hashtag brown and white. I just want those, those love and support messages out there for people who need to hear that. Okay, and we're going to talk more about the messages and, and those who are now following your trending campaign, hash brown, uh, brown and white, hashtag brown and white. We have to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Archstone Recovery Center of the Palm Beaches provides addiction treatment centered within a small, personal, community-type setting. For nearly two decades, Archstone has helped thousands suffering from alcohol and chemical dependencies recover and regain control of their lives. Archstone's medical, clinical, and support staff provide the highest level of professional treatment and individualized care. Call Archstone Recovery Center at 855 899-2292. Jason Mattioli is a personal injury and criminal defense lawyer prepared to fight for you. Attorney Mattioli has an exceptional record of defending the rights of those arrested for DUI and drug offenses. He also represents victims of tractor trailer and automobile accidents, premises liability, product defects, and work-related accidents. If you or a loved one has been arrested or injured, call attorney Mattioli at 570-961-1616. Serenity Lodge is a safe, structured, supervised, sober living community for young men located in the beautiful mountains of Susquehanna County, Pennsylvania. Serenity Lodge has perfected the missing piece between addiction treatment and real life. Serenity Lodge teaches how to use the principles of recovery along with age-appropriate life skills. Call Serenity Lodge today at 570-650-8205. Since 1972, Clearbrook Treatment Center has been providing successful treatment for those suffering from substance abuse. 
Clearbrook's medical program provides round-the-clock care and treatment from a licensed and specialized medical team. Clearbrook's approach to addiction is largely based upon the proven practices of Alcoholics Anonymous. Pastoral services are available to patients seeking spiritual guidance. Call Clearbrook today at 570-260-2600. This is WYLK, powered by Sherwood Chevrolet Buick GMC, online at SherwoodChevrolet.com. Welcome back to Sharing Recovery, straight talk on today's struggles of addiction and triumphs of recovery. Recovery is possible. We welcome your calls with questions or comments. Call 570-883-0098 or 1-800-437-0098. Here are your hosts, Suzanne Kelly and Jack Kropp. And welcome back to Sharing Recovery. We have uh, Tony Luke Jr. with us, and we're talking about hashtag brown and white. So, Tony, tell us a little bit more about how this campaign is trending. It, it's it, it's it, it's really amazing how how well the the campaign caught on, uh, especially with families that are that are are really willing to to get involved to try to bring other families into the discussion uh, of what they're going through with a loved one struggling with addiction. And I keep going out every day. I do as many interviews as I can to really push the, the hashtag. I go on my social media and I post for brown and white as much as I can. Uh, and it's, it, it, it's doing, it's doing well, anything. If one, to me, if one other person hashtagged it, it's doing well because like we know, you know, and I believe addiction is, is, is fought and one, one's person and one step at a time. You know, I, I, if, if, if there's a hundred people in the room and 99 don't hear a word I'm saying, but it, it resonates with one person, then we did great. And I think that hashtag brown and white is doing exceptionally well. I believe that it, it is reaching people uh, and with help like what you guys are, you guys are doing in your show, Suzanne, and, and, and all these things, we can get the word out to even more people and get a much broader discussion going. So it's doing well. But as always, my dream is that, you know, it trends every day because this, they call it an opioid crisis and an epidemic, which is a, is, is an incredibly strong word. But what we don't realize is that we're, we're, we're losing the, the human race is dying. We as a people are dying. Mm -hmm from all of, and and again it's not one simple thing there's a lot of arms to this to this problem but this is just one of those arms and this is the lane that I'm in and I push as much as I can that hopefully by what we're doing here today and what your listeners uh, are doing and going out and making a difference that maybe this arm can affect all the other arms and then together we can come up with a real a real solution right tony that's i I, you've heard me say that 
politicians do their thing and organizations do their thing and doctors and lawyers do what they do. But I do this on the street level, one person at a time. And, and like you, if there's 90 people in the room and one person hears me, great. If nobody hears me that day, I don't care. I'll go to the next room and try again. But somehow we have to bring this all together so we can all work for the common result, which is helping people with addiction and helping families. The dual component to this, help the addict, help the family, help everybody understand, which helps everyone get better. Because in a case like yours, Tony, or Suzanne's, where you lose someone, you have to go on and you have to figure out how you can heal and still continue to recover. Just because your addict dies or passes away, your recovery doesn't stop. You've got a recovery every day of your life from now on. Well, you, you, that's very, that's very, very true. And, and look, the death of any loved one affects an entire family. When someone passes through an overdose, what happens to families, when someone is, if someone is, 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 dies through an accident or through foul play or through whatever, you know, people say, well, you know what, it happens. You know, it was God's will, whatever people say, to say it was horrible and I'm going to deal with it, but there was nothing I can do. And the truth is, with family members, love and support is all you can do. But they seem to think that when someone passes from a, a drug overdose, that they are to blame, mm -hmm. that they caused this, that they're the reason that their loved one has passed. And when you, when someone dies, you know, loss is very difficult. But I say over and over again, loss can be managed. I'm not saying, you know, you'll be forever, you know, you'll be the same. Loss can be managed, but guilt can never be managed. And guilt will destroy you and destroy your entire family. And people have to learn how to let go of that guilt because they truly don't have the power mm -hmm. to make those decisions. We have free will. We make our own decisions. We can give people love and support and let them know that we are there for them. But we're not God. We can't wave our arm over someone and heal them. I wish we could because I'd spend the rest of my life standing in a line just waving my arm over people. For sure. But we don't have that power. And Tony, earlier you, you said a word which I talk about every day, and it's fear. And that guilt that we're feeling is fear. The fear that I did something wrong with my daughter, that why, why did my daughter get into a position that she's in with addiction? Fear that I, I somehow let her down. Not only do I feel fear that I let her down, I feel fear that I let her sisters down, her mother down, and the people around her down. Because me, being what I've been through and where I'm at, I feel like I should have known better. But when it was my own daughter, I couldn't see it. So yes, I deal with that fear and, and that guilt that you just described every day. My daughter now is doing great, but I lay in bed every night and worry, is today the day where something could go wrong? Did I miss something else? Am I now a helicopter father that constantly on her, are you okay, what's going on, do you need anything? And, and that's a horrible way for a family member to live, and it's a horrible way for an addict to live. And that's why 
we're here today, and that's why I'm so, I, I wanted you to be on this show, and you know that, because you are working so hard at spreading the word that we can recover families, addicts, we can recover. And, and I just, I love what you're doing, Tony, and I love your message, and, and thank you for being here with us today. And, and let's talk about, after we come back from this break, let's talk about what Hashtag Brown and White has for the next couple of months going on. What's going on in the future, Tony? We'll be right back. Serenity Lodge is a safe, structured, supervised, sober living community for young men located in the beautiful mountains of Susquehanna County, Pennsylvania. Serenity Lodge has perfected the missing piece between addiction treatment and real life. Serenity Lodge teaches how to use the principles of recovery along with age-appropriate life skills. Call Serenity Lodge today at 570-650-8205. Since 1972, Clearbrook Treatment Center has been providing successful treatment for those suffering from substance abuse. Clearbrook's medical program provides round-the-clock care and treatment from a licensed and specialized medical team. Clearbrook's approach to addiction is largely based upon the proven practices of Alcoholics Anonymous. Pastoral services are available to patients seeking spiritual guidance. Call Clearbrook today at 570-260-2600. Jason Mattioli is a personal injury and criminal defense lawyer prepared to fight for you. Attorney Mattioli has an exceptional record of defending the rights of those arrested for DUI and drug offenses. He also represents victims of tractor trailer and automobile accidents, premises liability, product defects, and work-related accidents. If you or a loved one has been arrested or injured, call attorney Mattioli at 570-961-1616. Archstone Recovery Center of the Palm Beaches provides addiction treatment centered within a small, personal, community-type setting. For nearly two decades, Archstone has helped thousands suffering from alcohol and chemical dependencies recover and regain control of their lives. Archstone's medical, clinical, and support staff provide the highest level of professional treatment and individualized care. Call Archstone Recovery Center at 855 855- 899-2292. It's here. The WILK News Radio app is available now in your app store or Google Play. No matter your device, download the WILK News Radio app to stream your favorite WILK talk shows. Check out the news, email the station, and join the conversation with our talkback feature. Plus, we send breaking news, weather, and traffic alerts right to your smartphone. Take WILK News Radio with you wherever you go. Download the WILK News News Radio app today. Welcome back to Sharing Recovery. Straight talk on today's struggles of addiction and triumphs of recovery. Recovery is possible. We welcome your calls with questions or comments. Call 570-883-0098 or 1-800-437-0098. Here are your hosts, Suzanne Kelly and Jack Kropp. And welcome back to Sharing Recovery. Um, Tony Luke Jr., we have a few minutes left in the show. Two questions. Um, first of all, a few things that you're going to be doing over the next few months with hashtag brown and white. And how does someone get in touch with you if they want you to partake in a, a, a you know, talk at a high school or a rally, if they're looking for you to be a guest speaker, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Uh, okay. Um, I in the, in the next literally the next month or so, I have a lot of events scheduled for me to speak. 
um, at you know at a high school, and then uh, I had some other events at um, different um, centers for me just to speak uh, to people. So I'm um, right now. It's really been a grassroots campaign. Like I'm kind of on the road all the time. I re- I rarely turn down anything unless it co- unless it conflicts with something that I'm scheduled to do already. The best way to get a hold of me or questions or anything they want to do, I have a Tony Luke Jr. page on Facebook. Okay. There's also a hashtag Brown and White USA page on Facebook. And then Twitter is at Tony Luke Jr. And there's also an at Brown and White U.S. and it's A N D, not the symbol. Okay. At Brown and White U.S. is the Twitter, and there's my Instagram, which is uh, at Tony Luke Jr. as well. And then I have a wonderful group of people, uh, Sue and Rick, and 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 you know uh, a bunch of people, Donnie, a bunch of people I work with, you know, and you know Jack has been incredibly helpful in the past as well. You know, he's a soldier in the war. You know, he is. And he, like you said, he's in the thick of it. And everyone has been great and helping. But if, if it's a legitimate thing for me to go, the only thing I don't do, and I said this from the beginning, is I don't, I don't sponsor anything. Like, I won't come out for and, and say, hey, go to this recovery center or go here. Because that's not my job. That's mm-hmm. not what Brown and White does. Brown and White is for all centers, all people, you know, there's no, I'm, I'm, you know, my allegiance is to destroying the stigma of addiction. And, uh, I think that that voice can be better heard when, you know, Brown and white hashtag Brown and white isn't associated with one in particular, you know, um, a center or organization. Absolutely. Tony. What, where do we go next? What, where do you see that we have to take? How do we spread this message better? I, I don't know. I don't even understand the question. I mean, how, how do we do this, Tony? Tell where me. Where do we go from here? Where do we go next? We keep knocking on every door. And the next thing I want to do, and I'm trying to work out now, is to do the very first hashtag brown and white event where I'm trying to bring all the centers together all of of those that are in recovery and all of the families to actually meet at a at a public place and speak and talk and let people really understand what hashtag brown and white really is besides just being a viral campaign hashtag brown and white is a safe haven it's a house where people can go and speak freely and not worried about being judged or screamed at or, or laughed at. And um, I believe that's where the evolution of hashtag brown and white goes. And I believe the next evolution is for what I would love to do is people outside of Philadelphia, people becoming the leader of hashtag brown and white in Chicago and those picking up the fight for addiction in Atlanta. Remember, this isn't my movement. You know, a woman emailed me, said, do I have your permission to talk about hashtag brown and white. I'm like, it's not my, it's not my, uh, it's not mine. It's yours. 
Of course you can talk about hashtag. And that's what I need to get out to people, that this is their movement. It's your movement, Jack. It's yours, Suzanne. It's your listeners' movement. Hopefully it'll pick it up in other cities and perpetuate what hashtag brown and white really stands for and what we're really trying to do. And ultimately what we're really trying to do is remove that stigma, Tony. Uh, that stig Absolutely. the stigma that because I have an addiction or my child has an addiction, somebody that we have to remove that stigma that that's a, that's like something less than that that person is a is a less than human being. A person with cancer isn't less than a person with heart disease isn't less than a person with an addiction. As you pointed out earlier, it, it's not a choice. It's not recreational that went bad. It's an addiction. It's 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 a it's an ailment, and we have to make right, people. Right, but we'll never. We'll never remove that stigma, Jack, unless people understand right. what addiction is. And the only way to do that is through discussion, just what you're doing now. And, and That's how you end the stigma. And the truth is, Tony, that this radio station has evolved, this radio show has evolved out of a conversation that I had one day with you and, and Sue and down in Sicklerville and through a, a guy named Gary in Philadelphia that has a radio show that. Gary's a great man. And, and, and you know what? He was my daughter's landlord for two or three years, and I didn't even know he had the radio show. And and that's why this, that's where this came from, to help spread that message that you have presented to me, that you and I sat and talked about. And that's where this one day I said to Suzanne, we got to start a radio show. We don't have that here. We don't have a voice here in the Northeast. Thank you, Tony. I love you. Tony, thank much you so life. much. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you to Clearbrook Treatment Center, Serenity Lodge, Attorney Jason Mattioli, and Archstone Recovery for making this show possible. And special thanks to local artist Kate for creating this show's original music, appropriately named New Beginning. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next Sunday at noon here on WYLK News Radio.